It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. What's up and welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 right here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app with open phone lines for you. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. That's the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. You follow me on Snapchat. I follow you back guaranteed. And on Instagram, IGJHood. Wishing the best to you and your family during this uh, very difficult time with this pandemic, with COVID-19. I'm watching the news and reading everything just like everyone else is. And um, I'm hoping... Uh, the best for you during this very difficult time and also a shout out to the first responders. I don't think it's been said enough how great they have been throughout all this and before got to make sure that we also give them credit beforehand for being able to be uh, on the scene and being able to help people. And this is uh, really where we need to be right now, trying to help people in in this very um, dire time, but doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way, but this is just uh, a real test for all of us. Um, as humans to be able to help one another during this very tough time of COVID-19. So as always, I'm trying to be a distraction to you, a distraction for you between now and 10 o'clock. And we'll do a lot of that distracting with sports talk conversation, as we always do right here on ESPN 1000. So we have heard more than once that there are rumblings on the West side and that changes are imminent in the front office. The newest wrinkle comes from a Joe Cowley piece in the Chicago Sun-Times, and he's a great job covering this beat. He says, a source told the Sun-Times on Tuesday that not only is Paxson, John Paxson, all for stepping aside from his position and acting more as an advisor to the Reinsdorf family when the front office restructure is finalized, but would completely step down from the organization if the Reinsdorfs and the New Look executive group deemed it better for the rebuild to continue. The source insisted that Paxton was ready for either scenario, waiting for what's best for the franchise. Cowley goes on to say that Paxton's patience has been pushed to the limit the past few seasons, especially when it comes to the perception by outsiders of the job that he's done. That was evident three years ago when he made a point throughout the organization and with beat writers that he had grown tired of the quote-unquote Gar Pax umbrella. He was lumped under with general manager Gar Foreman, instead asking for Foreman's name and title to be separate from his. It's a good piece because it just keeps you abreast of what's going on with the Chicago uh, Bulls. And I have a question. If and when the Bulls find someone to be the new face of the organization or faces of the organization, the GM and president of basketball operations, Who's hiring this person? Or who's hiring these people? Michael Reinsdorf, John Paxson, Gar Foreman. This has been the same brain trust in charge of this particular franchise with one playoff appearance and 239 losses in the last five years since Tom Thibodeau was shown the door. And since Thibodeau has been shown the door, the Bulls have not been to the Eastern Conference Finals since the 2010-2011 season. Who's hiring this 
new face, or who's hiring these new faces, this new brain trust for the Chicago Bulls? Number one, you do realize that John Paxson will ultimately hire his successor, right? Is that really a good thing? You do realize that Gar Foreman will ultimately hire his successor. Is that a good thing? Losing on a regular basis is scary. It messes with your confidence. And for some, it makes you really irritable. It makes you testy. It makes you defensive. As we've seen at many times with John Paxson while he's been in this position with the Chicago Bulls. When John was a player, yeah, there was a little bit of the red ass, sure, because he never thought he was fouled. He always wanted to make sure that he got the benefit of the doubt on calls. He was an underdog on that Bulls team or his time in the NBA. But always affable and always quotable and very smart when it comes to the NBA and the on-court action for basketball as an assistant coach and as a broadcaster. It was all those things. But then when he sat in that big chair, a decision-making chair, Things changed. Because you see, perception, which is reality, bothers John. As I just read in that piece from Joe Cowley, he's concerned about the perception of what people say about the Chicago Bulls. I'll read that line again. It says, Paxton's patience has been pushed to the limit the past few seasons, especially when it comes to the perception by outsiders of the job that he's done. As we talk about the Bulls with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. When you are really aligned with losing, it is really difficult to come out from underneath that. And the Bulls have lost a lot to the tune, as I mentioned, of 239 losses the past five seasons. That's the number one thought I I had because whoever comes in that person's got to be hired by those that have failed. Michael Reinsdorf is at the top of that, along with Jerry, because, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf still has something to say, even though he's involved with the White Sox. He's involved with both teams, but he really loves the White Sox. He would love to be able to win another World Series championship before he dies. Michael Reinsdorf has the keys to the castle when it comes to the Bulls. He's a face of that uh, losing as well. Sometimes we never look high enough as fans. We only look at the surface and look at the players and look at the coach and what you see on the floor. But you got to look at management and even above management with ownership with Michael Reinsdorf. That's my number one thought. My number two point is whomever is the next man in charge of basketball operations for the Chicago Bulls. Do you realize that person probably will be in the job for 20 years? If the Reinsdorf mantra of loyalty still holds true, this next hire will be a key hire and someone we're going to see for a long time. This will not be like they dispose of coaches after two or three years. After two or three years, this guy's not good enough, we get rid of him. After two or three years, we, we grab a guy's tie and throw him out. After two or three years, this guy locks the door. He gives us success, but he doesn't give us enough credit, so we throw him out. Remember, the Bulls have had two general managers since 1985. I was in seventh grade when Jerry Krause was the general manager for the Chicago Bulls. 
They've had two GMs. It's Kraus and John Paxson. You talk about loyalty, but you also talk about ineptitude. One general manager helped the Bulls win six titles in eight years and have a lot of success in the 90s. And one, well, grabbed the tie of Vinny Del Negro. You have to understand that change was needed after Tom Thibodeau was let go. At that point in time, that should have been the reset button for the organization. Because if you go through the history of the Chicago Bulls after the six championships in eight years, that title run with Jordan and the Bulls, when you go through Tim Floyd and you go through Bill Cartwright and then you get to Scott Skiles, and now we get to Skiles, we're talking about the Paxson era. Then we go through Vinny Del Negro and Tom Thibodeau. At that point, it should have been, okay, John, you know what? There's no rebuild after the Derrick Rose, Joe Kim Noah, Luol Deng Bulls. Let's re- hit the reset button here. And it was reset to an extent because you did get a chance to see um, Gar Foreman have a little bit more of a face of the franchise because he suggested Fred Hoiberg be the guy. Fred Hoiberg be the head coach because of the Iowa State connection. And after 42 and 40 and 41 and 41 and 27 and 55 and 5 and 9, excuses and injuries and disrespect from veterans and backstabbing, probably from Jim Boylan, all culminated around the Fred Hoiberg administration. And here you are right now with Jim Boylan at 22 and 43. But you see, when I look at what's going on with this organization, again, it's one thing to say, it's time for something new, fire Gar packs. But understand who has to be in the position to hire that next person. And that next person is crucial. This next person has to be a home run, not a ringing double down the left field line. It has to be someone that has a vision for the organization, for not just for the near future, uh, but for the next 20 years. Because that person is going to be in this organization for a long time. There's been some already that have turned a blind eye to this job that were in, it was in the running. Buchanan from Indianapolis, in the running. Like, nah, nah, I'd just rather stay here uh, in Hickory. I'll stay here in Indianapolis. Boom, baby, I'll be here with the Pacers. Instead of the Bulls, instead of this world-class city that I'm from. Instead of this organization, nah. A couple other people. We heard the names of Masai Ujiri, pie-in-the-sky names who led the Toronto Raptors to a championship. Uh, we heard the Sam Presti rumors, which was false from the beginning. The Sam Presti thought of, oh, from Oklahoma City, he's definitely coming to Chicago. It was never the case. Because even though this is a world-class city, these other GMs in places would rather stay in Indianapolis and Toronto and rather stay in Oklahoma City, and that says a lot for the Bulls organization. Let's hear from Joe Cowley uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times. He was on with me not too long ago. I asked him just point blank, based on all of his connections around the NBA, what is the perception of the Bulls around the league? It's horrible. I mean, that's why, that's why you have to bring, you know, and, you know, I've, I've said this name a couple times and, and wrote it last year. I thought that should have been in on Trajan Langdon last year. Um, and just to see when he came into town right before the All-Star break when, when the Pelicans came into town and, you know, he was at the shoot-around, just to see the way he carries himself, the way players come up to him, just kind of the, the – he just he just has that kind of it factor of, of yeah, I'm a GM, I'm, I'm in charge, but also – I get where these guys are coming from. I understand these guys. I mean, 
that's the kind of new voice they need. Um, you know, and I don't think it needs to be a person of color necessarily. That's not what I'm saying, but it needs to be someone that the, the, the players respect and understand and say, Hey, you know what? When you're talking to me as a free agent, you're talking to me as a man. And I feel like you're talking to me as a man and you're inviting me to this organization with open arms. And I can respect that. It's not, you know what? I feel like I'm at a used car lot with, the, with a dirty used car salesman. <laughs> and I think that far too often was the case. Um, and that's kind of the way the word spread around. And they, they have some, they have some damage control to do in this area. Don't, I mean, from you know, if you go talk to people that know, you know, uh, Carlisle's in charge of the coaches' association, and I think if you got him in a room by himself and talked to him about what's the perception that that coaches, especially established coaches, have of the Bulls, it's bad because they just the Bulls just feel like their coaches are commodities to be flipped, and then a new one brought in, and it's no big deal. The thoughts there from Joe Cowley with me uh, from the Chicago Sun Times. When he talks about that used car salesman, that could be Gar Foreman, it could be John Paxson, it could be both. But just hearing Joe talk about the perception of the Bulls is sad, especially when you think that we are on the precipice of seeing, you know, a great docu series with the Chicago Bulls, the good old days of the championship years, and it's so so far away because of the perception of the organization during that time. World class city, stars sitting in the front seats at the United Center and at the old Chicago Stadium just to check out the Chicago Bulls. You see what's happening now with this team in which they're going to go through a facelift. But what does that really mean? How many hires will the Bulls make? We'll address that coming up next as you're listening to Under the Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Every single night that I'm on, we give you something Bears, something NFL draft. We have Trevor um, Maddich that's going to be with us coming up. At 8 o'clock, we'll get a chance to talk to Maddich about the NFL draft and uh, the Chicago Bears as well. That's coming up at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. Great to have you in today. We had the NCAA um, tournament on yesterday, so we're off. So it's good to be back with you here tonight talking about the Bulls because that story is very interesting. I kind of started off on Friday, and uh, here we are on Tuesday, and this continues to bubble to the surface about what's going on with this organization. Again, it all stems from the Joe Cowley piece from the Sun-Times. He wrote a piece yesterday, Bulls front office restructuring already has more misses than hits. Now, remember... My thought on it, watching the Bulls, is whoever is going to be the next man is going to be in this job forever because this is how the Reisendorf roll. You like the loyalty on one hand, but the other hand is you have to be able to repay the customer, and that's me and you. They've got to be able to repay us because of the emotional and financial investment that we put in the team to be able to rep this city, to be able to rep this team. And you've got to be able to do more than just say, well, here's a basketball game. We're going to turn the lights on at the United Center. It's going to be more than that. 
there has to be a team that's competitive because you want to bang for your buck. So whoever's in this position, because of the loyalty of the, the Reinsdorfs, this guy's going to be here for a long time. Or these people are going to be here for a long time. Whoever the new faces are to replace Gar and Pax. The other thing is, is that you do realize that the, those that failed in the job have to be the ones to replace Pax and Gar. And that is just amazing to me because no matter what is being read, no matter what is being said, you know, like I know, that for sure that John will have something to say about the, his successor because of, again, loyalty. This is not how it would work with other successful organizations in which, okay, John, you're out of the position, you're out. Uh, you know, you're going to be an ambassador someplace and we're going to knock you down, but you will not be part of the hiring process. It's going to be Michael Reinsdorf and it's going to be other people in the organization, but it's not going to be you. And same thing with Gar Foreman. But those two will have something to say about the new guys that's in place. And I'll tell you what, that sucks. It's terrible. Because it's just the same old, same old merry-go-round of nonsense on the West Side. And it should not be, especially if you are a fan that's looking to see something different over there uh, from the Chicago Bulls. So going back to that piece from the um, Joe Cowley uh, Sun-Times um, talking about the front office restructuring, I was reading this. It says a source close to the situation said that the Bulls interviewed Jazz General Manager Justin Zanuck by video on Monday. And also they're talking to the GM for the Nuggets as well. Zanuck, who attended Northwestern and was a player agent before becoming an NBA executive, is more than just a cap guy, building a solid reputation as a communicator with an understanding of how to delegate scouting and player development. I would say this, whoever is in the mix for this position, and one of them was supposed to be Bobby Webster. Now, let me just mention this before I make my next point. According to the Toronto media, Raptors general manager Bobby Webster was close to landing a new deal uh, to keep his current role. Uh, meanwhile, Adam Simon, the Heat's vice president of basketball operations and assistant general manager, is also staying put. He has been with the team for decades. Um, just, just understand this, that I read this whole thing about Webster from the com about how smart he is and how he just works well with the Raptors organization. You can understand why some of these organizations would keep their guys. And it also says a lot for an Adam Simon or a Bobby Webster or some of these other names that I've heard over the years as far as the job that they're doing in their front office that they don't want to come to a world-class city like Chicago because there's a separation of the Bulls and the city. It goes back to, if you go to the archives of the Under the Hood podcast, I talked about during All-Star Weekend how the conversation about All-Star Weekend was not about the Bulls. It was about the city. It was about the history of Chicago basketball, high school level, college level. It was about that. Nothing was said. Not, when, it, when someone would bring up the Bulls, eyes would roll in the city where the All-Star game was supposed to take place. And it did. And you would think, hey, you know, what about this upcoming Bulls team? There was no Zach Levine conversation because it, it, more times than not, when people talk about the Bulls, there's it's this eye rolling of, well, who's the next coach they're going to fire? Or what's, what's next for this team that's not going in the right direction? And that shouldn't be. You know, for, for a, a, an East that can be had without LeBron James, you would think that the Bulls would be a top eight team. Whether they finish this regular season or not, the Bulls are not going to make the playoffs this year even though this was the quote-unquote goal by John Paxson to start the season. Nonetheless, the point is, is that when we take a look at what is going on with this team, you have people in place in other organizations 
that probably would love to jump someplace else and have their own joint to be able to start their own franchise to be the man in that chair and yet others are just passing it up and that says a lot uh so more on joe cowley from the sun times talking about a number of things including um saying that what is happening with this bulls restructure is more than just one hire you can't really know what these guys are going to be um, you know, they could interview well, they could tell you what their strengths are, but once they get in there and actually start setting this thing up, because this is not just one position that's being filled, this is a revamp, this is an enema throughout this entire organization um, in all departments uh, as far as basketball, analytics, scouting, international scouting, uh, you might want more cap guys, you might, you know what I mean? So this is going to not, this is not just one hire and then he's the new packs or he's the new guard that's not how this is going to work this is a restructure that will come with multiple hires so i wouldn't just because this first hire doesn't overwhelm or underwhelm or whatever your feelings are afterward there's more coming there's more to this thing joe cowley on carmen yurko really breaking that down and it should be interesting to see i'll believe it when i see it and like to see the names that will be in place to be able to get this done the restructuring I mentioned during the All-Star week, and I'll bring it up again, that I would be embarrassed if I'm Michael Reinsdorf and the All-Star game comes to my city and my team sucks, my organization's going upside down. I would never want to be in that position. Hey, everybody can't is everybody can't be a top 16 team in the NBA vying for the playoffs, vying for the trophy. But at least you could try. At least you could try to do something different. And moving along... And doing something different from Gar and Pax is okay. It's all right to have loyalty to those guys, but those guys cannot be in positions anymore. And so I was going to ESPN.com, and I saw this piece. And uh, there's so many ideas swimming in my head right now, but i got to get to this piece. Um, and that is NBA Future Power Rankings, Predicting Best and Worst Franchises. This is a piece that was written by Bobby Marks and Kevin Pelton. I was going to have Bobby on tonight, but I just want to, instead of having him on, I just want to kind of just go through what they consider uh, when it comes to the next few years, how these franchises will be perceived. It says the Future Power Rankings are ESPN's insider projection of the on-court success expected for each team over the next three seasons, uh, including the 2019-2020 if the NBA returns to action. Consider this a convenient way to see the direction in which your favorite team is headed. So I'll just give you the top 10. And it's, you know, you know it's the, the top teams in the NBA. It's the Clippers, the Lakers, it's Golden State. Once they get healthy again, it's Milwaukee again. Got to look at Anadokounmpo and whether or not he is going to be signed to a Supermac extension. Uh, Boston's fifth in this list. Dallas is tied with Toronto for sixth. The Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kendrick Nunn, terrific team that's on the rise. Brooklyn when KD is healthy, uh, along with Kyrie Irving. And the Jazz are 10th on this list. Then you scroll down, and you keep scrolling down, and I'm looking for the Bulls. I'm looking for the Bulls, and I see the Phoenix Suns, and I see the San Antonio Spurs as 20th, and the Orlando Magic, or and the Atlanta Hawks, and I get to the Chicago Bulls at 23rd on this list. This is what is being said. It says, a return to the playoffs looked realistic for the Bulls after they added Otto Porter Jr. at the 2019 trade deadline and veterans Thomas Sadoransky and Thaddeus Young in free agency. Injuries, most notably one that sidelined Porter for nearly four months, helped scuttle those plans. Chicago was eight games out of the um, 
eighth spot when the season was suspended. Since the Bulls don't project to have cap space again until the summer of 2021, outside help isn't on the way. Instead, Chicago is continuing on better health and continued development from their young players. Kobe White flashes a rookie, while Zach Levine has solidified himself as one of the league's best offensive players. But the Bulls will have to decide whether to extend the contract of Laurie Markkinen. Is he happy? Is he not happy? Uh-huh. Uh, coming off a disappointing campaign. So that's the thoughts of the next three years of where the Bulls are. They're 23rd out of all these teams in the NBA, and there's 30 teams. The, even worse than the Bulls, just for context, Washington Wizards, Sacramento Kings, Minnesota Timberwolves, Knicks, Hornets, Pistons, and the Cavaliers are last. It, I want to point this out here, whoever the Bulls are going to get. And again, here is where you just don't know what is going to happen here and who, who are going to be the hires. The next guys in place to replace Gar Foreman, John Paxson, however it's going to be restructured, I don't care how it is, however it's going to be restructured, it has to be someone that has an in with the uh, with not only players, but also agents to the point where Chicago doesn't seem toxic. Chicago should not feel like, oh, don't know if I should go to the Bulls. That's like going to Minnesota. Oh, I don't want to go there. It might, it might feel like the Knicks. Can't go there because it might feel like Detroit. Can't go there because it might feel like Cleveland. Meaning that these are franchises not going in the right direction anytime soon, number one. But number two, it's a world-class city, just like New York, just like L.A., like Houston, like Dallas, like the Bay Area. All these are, are great cities. But if you don't have anything to show a free agent, meaning that here's a direction that we want to take it, we want you to be one of the faces of the franchise, we know that you're a good player, we want you to work with Zach Levine or, or the other young players in this roster and just move forward. You don't want to look like some ragtag organization that didn't do Luol Deng right, that didn't pay Pat, you know, Pippen and Jordan the way they should have been paid based on perception. We can always argue about that. Uh, and, and just the way players were being treated by Gar Foreman, according to what uh, Joe Cowley says and others, all those things have to be put in a bottle and it has to be set aside. It has to start anew where the organization looks shiny and new. It has to be one of those muscle cars you have in the garage and you take the, the cover off that muscle car and you say, you know, we can clean up these white wall tires and we can put a new engine in this thing and we can make sure that there's no dents and no fractures, and no scratches, and we can take this out on the road on Sundays and it'll be as good as new. The jalopy that is the Chicago Bulls needs to be in a position where it's cleaned up and it looks good on the road on Sundays uh, and on every other day around the NBA. That's the whole point. The Bulls have to be able to look better in the eyes of the decision makers and players because it's a player's league. It's got to be a place where I uh, can't go to Chicago. It's too cold. But I'll go to Milwaukee because Giannis is there. <laughs> can't go to Minnesota because it's way too cold, too close to Winnipeg. But I'm going to go to some other place like Oklahoma City because, well, you know, they know how to treat their players right, and Sam Presti's smart. The Bulls have to have that perception. There's no question about that. Has to have that perception. And so clearly there's something going on when Joe Colley talks about John Paxson's mood. I talked about that in the last segment, how John has come across as someone who is frustrated 
and irritable and testy and defensive at times because of the perception around the organization, something he can't control, by the way. Um, but Joe says uh, he sees a new PAX. This is as good a mood and as, as, as friendly and as positive as I saw him with this season. And maybe because the writing was on the wall, maybe he'd become kind of at peace with this whole idea of, of where this thing was going to go. But, you know, I mean, four years ago, three years ago, we were getting, you know, little memos and little you know, remarks, whether we're talking to Mike or whatever, that, hey, you guys got to stop this Garpac stuff. They, you know, John really doesn't want to be lumped in in this Garpac title that you guys have given him. It's not fair to him. You know, and just nitpicky stuff like that to the point now where I, I think he was just kind of known to everything. And, and I really do think, at the end of the day, people can say what they want about John Paxson. And look, the stakes have been made. The guy just wants the Bulls to succeed, whether he's whether he's getting paid by him or not getting paid by him, or he, he just really has always wanted that. That doesn't mean he's been equipped to do that or not equipped to do that. But to to judge him as this guy that has been blocking their success um, is just not fair. And there's been other things that have have been bigger problems, if you ask me. Yeah, he wants to win. But all John Paxson has done, for the most part, especially over the last few years, is lose. We can spin it and make it all Midwestern and make it feel real good about what's going on. But it's a big boy market, big boy city, major expectations. And I will tell you that 239 losses in the last five years is not major market. It's not good enough. As an owner... As someone who is a general manager, you have to realize that you have to change. You cannot just continue to believe, oh, well, he's been here for 20 years. He's been here for 10 years. He'll turn it around. You can believe in the person. But do you believe in what the person is doing? Because it all comes down to results. Result, business. That's what it comes down to. If you don't see the results, you get what you deserve. And that has been a ton of losses and just ineptitude and a head coach that can't find a, uh, can't find anything, can't find a win, can't find a way to get to the players. Nothing is going right uh, for this Bulls franchise uh, as far as winning on a regular basis. That's the key. Coming up next, what is more important for the Bears? Is it to win now? Is it win today or sustain success? We'll address that coming up next as you're listening to Under the Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Twitter as well, twitter.com, tweetjhood. Want to jump in our conversation about the Bulls? You're more than welcome. Lines are always open. Always know that you know the number. If not, that's why I always tell you. 312-332-ESPN. If you are listening to the program and you want to jump in on any part of our conversation, you're always welcome to be part of Under the Hood. Um, that's the community that we've built for over 15 years. You're more than welcome to jump in on our conversation. Earlier I was talking about uh, the Bulls and the two points about the Bulls that are concerning to me is the people that are going to be in place to replace Garn Pax. They are going to be hired by Gar Pax, Michael Reinsdorf, and the organization that has failed, uh, that has underachieved a ton. The other thing is is that that person that they're going to hire or people they're going to hire if it's if it's the Reinsdorf mantra that we know, they are going to be in position for 20 years. 
And you know, <laughs> I've seen I've seen enough after the Bulls championship years to know that you've got to be able to have a plan. And I like to know who these new people are going to be in place. Will they be able to have a plan and be able to communicate with those that can be able to enhance the franchise through free agency in the draft? So we'll we'll see all the, how all that goes. Uh, it should be interesting to see what the next steps are for the Bulls in the organization. Three one two three three two ESPN is our telephone number. So so if you are a Bears fan, what do you want most? And you you know it's not. I'm not Santa Claus, so I'm not saying that uh, you're getting everything that you want. I'm not giving you that. So I'm going to ask you the question of being able to pick one, pick a hand, as we used to say in the playground. Like, you either win now or you have sustained success. What do you want more? Because when we take a look at what the the Bears have done, all of these moves that the Bears have made here in this offseason by able to, to get Robert Quinn and to get... Uh, Graham, the tight end, and to be able to get um, Nick Foles in the mix. You know that each one of those players I just mentioned are going to be 30 or 30 and over, right? Nick Foles and Graham and Quinn are going to be 30 and older. Now, football is a young man's game. And if you're over 30, you have to be somewhat special or survivor, it's the way the NFL is built. It, it can't be, well, this guy is 34, 35 years of age. He's just hanging on as a special teams guy. No, I mean, if you're an organization, you're a smart organization, you're finding someone that is um, talented and younger via the draft or free agency to plug a hole on your roster. Uh, this is not baseball in the past where you find someone 40 and over because you can need him as a pinch hitter or he could be a DH forever until he can't hit anymore. Um, this is not a situation where you go to the bullpen and get a 41, 42-year-old because he's a lefty. He's got a rag arm, and so we just keep him around the roster because he's been there and done that and seen some things. That doesn't work when it comes to the NFL. And it just seems to me that when I'm watching this Chicago Bears team, it just seems to me that they are in a position now where they feel like, man, I, I got to get it done now. I think that Ryan Pace looks at it and says, well, I better find the quarterback right now to push Mitch or to get someone in place because if not, it's my ass. And it's going to be me on the on the outs with this organization. And so my question I will have now, and it really flashes like a red light to me, is if you aren't among the best in the NFC – then what are, what are these moves for? How about this? I'll narrow the search. Are the Bears right now, from a roster standpoint, as good as the Packers or the Vikings? Let's just think about that for a second. Are they even as good as the Packers and the Vikings? Now, when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, I don't have to tell you because you know the story. You know that this organization... Um, has been head and shoulders above the rest more times than not over the Bears. And because the Bears are the nail and the Packers are the hammer, it's difficult, right? Because the Bears get up there every now and then, but not enough. You know, not enough to satisfy me as a Bears fan. They should be always competitive. And the Vikings have been able to be a very good franchise. The Lions do what the Lions do. But what is the most important thing? What's the standard? Is it sustained success? Sustained success defines 
the team always vying for the playoffs, always in the mix for the playoffs, and maybe getting to the Super Bowl like we saw when the Bears uh, took on the Indianapolis Colts. Maybe, maybe. But that was just one time. Sustained success, it wasn't quite the Lovey Smith era, but it's the closest thing to it, in which the team was always competitive. The defense held up those Lovey Smith teams for the most part. Can the Bears get back to that era, in which they're always in the mix and maybe knocking on the door to get to the Super Bowl again? I see Ryan Pace right now feeling like, man, I got to get Foles and I got to get Graham and Quinn in place right now because if uh, if I don't get these players in place, then we might be in third place in the NFC North. And by the way, they still might be. But ultimately, when we take a wider look at this thing, Bears fans, it, it, are the Bears even good enough to be a competitor in the NFC? That, that's the whole thing for me. Packers week against the Bears is always fun. Vikings and, and Bears is always fun. But really, it's about the NFC. And when you look at what the Bears have brought uh, on this roster right now here in the offseason, it's like, ah, you know, Quinn with this defense, good. It's unfortunate they had to be able to plug that with free agency, but Leonard Floyd didn't work out. Same thing with Graham. You don't have a tight end right now that is a U tight end or a blocking tight end that can make a difference. Same thing here with Nick Foles. You're not sure about Trubisky. That's why Foles is here. They are making trades and acquisitions now because of what they consider commitment to winning. I say they're just trying to put holes, trying to plug some holes on this roster that are leaking. What if it doesn't work this year? What if there is an issue? Those are question marks that you always have to have. Like, here's what I look at. The positive for this team is the defense. It has been for quite some time. The defense is good enough to be able to keep the Bears in games. But in this offensive league, you have to do more than 17 points a game. It's got to be a lot better than that. Uh, we're going to hear from a number of Bears dignitaries, including Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, as still to come right here on Under the Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app will hear from Trevor Maddich, who covers college football for ESPN, a college football analyst. We'll get his thoughts about the NBA draft, the NFL draft, just right around the corner. We will uh, get to talk to Trevor about that. And the Bears and more are coming up uh, at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. By the way, the uh, Grubhub man uh, came to the house this weekend, and uh, he called me and said, Hey, Mr. Hood, I'm at the door. I said, Okay, coming to the door. I open the door, and the Grubhub guy is, he's got the protection. He's got his hands covered, and he's got his face covered. Of course, he didn't have the traditional mask. He had a shower cap on. Ah, the South Side Grubhub guys. <laughs> it's like, I I love the, the idea that he's protecting himself no matter what. I guess he didn't have a mask handy, uh, didn't have a scarf handy, so he went with uh, probably his girl's shower cap. And it was able to put that on over his nose. And I told him, thank you. He goes, thank you very much. Thank you. So during this COVID-19, whatever it takes, I guess, my man is wearing a shower cap, big black one too, right over his face to deliver the goods to the, the hood household. 
God bless them. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number. Um, some thoughts from Ryan Pace, the general manager for the uh, for the Chicago Bears. So Ryan had a number of things to say at a teleconference not too long ago. One of his focuses is obviously on the quarterback position with Trubisky and Foles. I think, I think uh, just real quick, you know, Mitch is, a, Mitch is a competitor. I think when you're built that way, you know, competition brings out the best in you. And I think, you know, you know, Matt and I had that discussion with him and, and you could feel that in him right away, just kind of that, okay, hey, you know, let's go, um, you know, what's best for the team. And this is going to bring out the best in all of us. And I think the key word is just that, you know, he embraced, you know, he embraced the competition. Uh, and I think they're both looking forward to it. Well, I just know that it's pretty clear to me that <laughs> that Ryan Pace wants to make sure that he's got all the T's crossed and the I's dotted, whatever that expression is, because he knows that if it doesn't work out, this team underachieves, that's going to be on him. And he, uh, always remember this, never confuse activity with accomplishment. He can be able to get certain draft picks that have been able to be hits and then others that have not, free agents that have been able to flourish for this team and others that have not. That's just part of the job. But when it's about winning now, and it's about being able to be one of the top teams in the NFC, it's just not you got to do better than this. It's got to it's got to be sustained success. You have a choice of winning now or sustained success. It's about trying to see if the Bears can at least not only win today, but can they win moving forward with Foles, Trubisky, uh, with some of the key uh, parts of this team on both sides of the football. You've got to decide which one that you want to be. Are you trying to win now and then bottom out for the next four or five years trying to get to the playoffs, or do you want to continue to climb and build your way in a position where you can be a successful team? 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. We'll talk more Bears coming up at 8 o'clock with uh, Trevor Maddich. We talked to him about the Bears and the NFL draft right here on Under the Hood. Some thoughts now from Coach Clark. He's on the Eatons with me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000. Hey, Coach. Hey, good evening. How you doing? Uh, Jonathan, man, first time calling, long time listener, though, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Hope everything is good with you and your family. Yes, and likewise with uh, you and yours and as well as your uh, audience, too, man. These are some unprecedented times, but um, I know I believe in uh, the people that are uh, up front and uh, taking care of what needs to be taken care of. Now, we we will be okay, as uh, Dion said in the NFL commercial. We will be all right. I saw that, too. He's got a full he's got a full gray beard saying that, too. I saw that commercial. It was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I was calling. So I just what, wanted to. Yeah, go right ahead. No, I just wanted to share. Um, you, you, I, I think it's twofold. One is build and win now. Um, one thing I hope that Pace and uh, Nagy and the powers that be up at Hallis Hall, please do not trade out of those two top 50 picks. There's going to be some good quality first rounders that are going to fall. That can be the building blocks of the next two to three years. We have to get it right. He's been cute the last couple of years trading back. Some of those guys haven't paid, uh, uh, panned out. I would prefer quality over quantity this go round. And with those two picks, I would love to see us add another offensive tackle and another offensive lineman because we got to build that line. That's where the game is won at, at the line of scrimmage. No question about that, Coach Clark, and I appreciate your phone call. Now, you see, Coach Lee's line open, 312-332-ESPN. That is a couple of things with that. 
to be able to establish that running game with David Montgomery, I've heard that rumor, and I've talked about this on the air, about not necessarily a disconnect with Montgomery at House Hall, but wanting to see it like a different gear for Montgomery. All I know is that uh, let's see what Montgomery can do in year two. I think that for what was in front of him, he did a nice job. He just has to be able to develop even more so. But it's not where there should be questions about Montgomery. Let's get him some holes so he can run through them. Remember, um, Jordan Howard wasn't the right guy, according to Matt Nagy. That's why he went to Philly. So now Montgomery has to be the guy. And, and Tariq Cohen, on top of that, too, Tariq Cohen is a gadget back. He's a gadget player. Um, I, I would like for the Bears to be able to try to bolster that position as well. If Trubisky's the guy, Trubisky needs all the help he can get. To put it on his arm 100%, that probably just is not going to be a winning formula. Clearly, we have seen that's not a winning formula. So it's got to be a viable tight end, pass-catching tight end, that you tight end that we continue to hear about. Another wide receiver along with Robinson. Uh, to be able to have a number of weapons for Trubisky or Foles, however it's going to work, because the most successful teams that we see in the NFL have more than just one weapon or two weapons. They have a number of weapons. It's not about the trick plays in the book. It's about execution from the book. That's what it comes down to. And that no matter how people want to be able to twist and turn the naggy um, thought of whether or not he's an offensive genius or this guy that has a lot of great offensive ideas, the narrative has to be wins. The narrative is, and that can't be about how long he has his press conferences. The narrative has to be, can this guy win? And can he win on a regular basis? That's what it comes down to. Coach Clark, I'm glad you checked in with your thoughts. We'll have more thoughts on the Bears and the NFL draft with Trevor Maddich from ESPN. That's next in two minutes right here on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.